0: Gary Rabbit?
1: Yes, Daryl Spicer. What's going on? Man, I'll tell you, I got some great news. Really, what is it? Well, we're going to bring on a, a registered adult to supervise what we do here on our radio program. His name's Dennis McKay. Hey, how's your mama <laughs> Well, We need all the help we can get, Gary. <laughs> That's for sure. But uh, Dennis is going to ride along with us, so we're going to have a great program, and you're going to hear some great music by the McKay Project along with a lot of our other friends across this country, so buckle up, hold on, put her in gear, and here we go. Let's go trailer trucking.
2: I'm driving when the sun comes up. Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's the lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have that white line fever to the day It is my life Eighteen wheels rolling on the road It is my life From town to town There's so much I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two chrome stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue mag Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have that white line fever to the day My life, My life.
1: Darryl.
0: It used to be mine till I got tired of getting all them divorces. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I heard that. Well, we've got the guy that's singing that song with us today, Dennis McKay. He's a brand new partner in our In the Cab radio program. He's going to be riding along with us.
0: Riding. I think we ought to let him drive.
1: Oh, Lord. Lord. I ran out of
0: hours yesterday.
1: If, if you heard that one story that he told about hitting that runaway ramp, you you might not want him to drive. Yeah, he rang that bell, didn't he? <laughs> he, he did. I think, I think we better uh, just ride along with it professional drivers there you go man. and let them do got. the driving we'll just kind of hang out with them back here in the old bunk and eat their food
3: there that's you right go. that's right hey Daryl, you got any coffee in that thermos over there yes sir man I pour me up a cup up. man yes sir you got some 40 weight <laughs> i
1: hear you i hear you uh, what do we got uh today for our listeners on our program
0: we got an awesome story by a man's man by the name of richard cost oh yeah
1: yeah This is uh, from our conference that we recently had uh, there in Carmi. It was our 2019 three-fold cord conference. That was our seventh year that we've been doing this conference.
0: Yes, and people come from all over the country. We had folks representing 22 states this year. Yes, we did. And they came, and why did they come? They just wanted to fellowship with the folks that they hear on the radio.
3: That's right yeah people was, like
0: dennis mckay that's yeah. right mm-hmm. man
3: i got to meet a bunch of people and they walked up and shook my hand and made me feel like somebody they do don't they walk <laughs> up mm-hmm. and say i
0: so you're so and so yeah that's me you know yeah
3: inevitably somebody will always say man you sound taller on the radio <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they tell gary you sound like you got more hair on the radio <laughs> yeah uh, i apologize i've got a face made for radio <laughs> yes you do Them
0: conferences are awesome where folks come uh we're going to have it next year. The, the, the last, we think, the last weekend of June.
1: Yes, our you plans. Can,
0: you can so, go log, log on the website, yeah.
1: lonesomeroadministries.org. LonesomeRoad.org, or I think lonesomeroadministry.org. they will work? I think either one of them will work. Just give them a try. Log on, check it out. We got a lot of stuff on there. You can hear all kinds of good programs. You can he- hear the archives of all of our radio programs on our website. Yeah. So Is that anything like a beehive? It's kind of like a beehive, only it's an archive. It's an archive.
0: It's got arcs in it instead of bees. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: So, stay tuned. We've got a great program for you today. We're going to hear the real-life story of Richard Koss.
3: If you don't know
0: who Richard is, in a few minutes after you listen to this story, you'll know. And yeah.
3: you'll want to meet this man. Yeah. Oh, he's a, he's an awesome, dude, man. I mean, the, the guy's in his 70s, he don't mind me saying this, and rides a Harley across country. My kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah you he spent got...
0: some time with him down there in Louisiana,
3: didn't I you? did, man. We went down a few weeks ago and was um, doing some prison work with him in Louisiana, drove all the way to Louisiana so we could get locked up for the weekend, and uh, just had a great time, man. I mean, he is so compassionate with those guys, but he don't back up, man. He tells them. He said, you goofed up, you're in here, dude. Now you can make it right.
0: Amen. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And he knows firsthand because that's, he, right. that's where he came from. That, that's what you're going to hear today. So stay tuned for a real-life story of Richard Kosh.
4: All right. Praise God. God's people said? Amen. Amen. About four years ago, I got a call from this guy named Gary, and he said, man, someone just gave us. Uh, a CD, have you kissed any frogs today? And he said, man, we want to put that out for truckers. Can we uh, replicate that? And I said, amen, get Jesus out there, man. And I get calls from truckers Montana. They'll be in Wisconsin or somewhere and they'll call me and I can hear the diesel in the background and it's really cool. Um, I want to thank many of you for praying for me. Uh, just about a year ago, Uh, Some of you know that I was at 8,200 feet in the mountains picking up some Bibles. That a lady had donated 500 uh, set-free prisoner's Bibles and walked all over town, 8,200 feet altitude. My wife got in bed. I'm taking off my shirt and boom, right down dead center, down my left arm. I said, honey, I'm having a heart attack. I heard enough people talk about the symptoms and uh, they life me. I remember the helicopter ride, okay. Uh, but I had a heart attack in a good place because they took me to Albuquerque Heart Hospital, and they do eight heart surgeries a day. They average eight a day. And uh, I don't remember landing too much. But then I woke up the next morning. They were just getting ready to put me under, and I said, "God, man, I, I've served you for fifty years." Fifty years, I'm ready to go, man. I am. I'm ready to go. If you want to take me home, I'm ready. My all my family saved, and, and God, uh, they'll understand. And and you can take me home now. If you, if you if you if you if that's not in your plan, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Well, five bypasses, and and five hours later, I heard somebody say, "Mr. Koss, wake up, Mr. Koss, wake up." I looked over and I saw an oxygen bottle and I saw a nurse and saw two doctors. I said, man, this ain't heaven. (laughs) Because we don't need that up there. Amen? Well, he left me here to keep on keeping on. Amen? And I wear a lot of hats as an evangelist. You know why? There's a lot of needs. I love the homeless. I love the meth cookers, man. I mean, I've been there. Uh, The drug addicts, the prostitutes, uh, the bikers. I ride a Harley, okay? And it's a fat tire Harley. And it's fast. It'll get down the road, okay? I I drive a Dodge pickup. If you can't dodge it, ram it, okay? (laughs) And I'm one of those jeans and cowboy boot guys. That's about all I... All I wear, but man, it's so good to be with you guys, and I love you, and pray for me, and I'm heading out here in a little bit. Uh, If you've got anybody in prison or jail, that's what I do. If you've got family members that are drug addicts, uh, I've got two women they're both in their 70s they help me write prisoners uh, just give me give me the information all my material goes out free my book wanted the kickstand down uh, biker bible my wife and I came out with two years ago uh, everything goes out free if they need bible study courses we'll we'll we'll, we'll get those going uh, so anyway if you got a need in that area we'll help you out if we can okay Uh, Some of you have heard my testimony, I'll change it up just a little bit today because I've got somewhere to go today as far as in the message. Um, I grew up in generational sin. My grandfather was in the penitentiary, died an alcoholic. My dad was in the penitentiary at Walla Walla, Washington, died an alcoholic. I was drunk with my dad, 18 years old, when my dad died, okay? Uh, I come from a a family of uh, alcoholics. Uh, Only three of us survived. Everybody else died pretty much in their sin. Alcohol was easy to get because we owned five liquor stores. And my grandma had the same nightclub, dance hall, for uh, 21 years. Now, my grandma didn't drink. But she knew there was a lot of money to be made on alcohol sales, okay? And uh, I remember my dad was a pilot, okay? Okay. And my dad had a Cessna, and my dad had a Piper Cub, and as a little boy, you know, I I was daddy's little guy, and he'd take me flying, and man, I loved to fly, and and, uh, flew a lot, but then it all went away, my mom and dad made some really bad business decisions, and used my grandma's money, and everything went in the toilet. And my mom and dad uh, left Wisconsin and ended up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, on welfare, bartending at the Franklin Avenue Bar, which was a gangster bar. If you're familiar with Minneapolis, still is pretty much today, uh, a street bar. But you know, at, at, at about 10 years old, I started acting out. Okay, 11 years old. Now I'm I'm I'll be 75 in just a few weeks. Okay. But back in the 50s little boys didn't stab other little boys. But I did. I got into a fight in school Webster Wisconsin and uh, stabbed a kid in the throat and, and I'd already been in trouble burglarized in a couple places and they put me in a mental institution in Madison Wisconsin. You know what's wrong with an 11-year-old boy that would stab another little boy? Uh, and let's check him out. Well, I did six weeks of uh, diagnostic evaluation, and they recommended the state reformatory. I escaped from the mental institution once. Ended up in Waukesha, Wisconsin, state training school for boys. About 1,000 kids in there, like myself. And I escaped from there. The average stay, if you behaved yourself, if you didn't tattoo yourself, if you said yes, sir, no, sir, to the man, if you got your, did your schoolwork, you could go home in five or six months. I stayed two years. I was always getting busted for something, man. Finally, I wised up, said, you know, enough is enough. Yes, sir. No, sir. Man, doing my schoolwork. And a few months later, made parole. Uh, They put me on a train, went to Minneapolis, Minnesota. My dad met me at the train station. He was drunk. You know, welcome home, son. And wow, wow. But now I'm not a small town, you know, Wisconsin kid. I'm in a city of 700,000 people. If you add St. Paul, Minnesota, the Twin Cities to that, you got about a million people. One juvenile judge got me 24 times. I knew him well. His name was Judge Bergen. And uh, he was doing some of the same stuff I was doing, but he never went to jail. Uh, Minnesota Highway Patrol busted him for drunk driving. And I happened to be in jail during that time. And I'm reading the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. And I said, whoa, all right, man. Yeah, the judge got busted. I cleaned off the bottom bunk. (laughs) But he never showed up. Well, then the Minneapolis Police Department... Busted him drunk driving. He was always giving me 30, 60, 90 days for drunk driving and some other things. And, and I cleaned off the bottom bunk again, but Judge Bergen never showed up. I wonder why he beat a judge. I was the juvenile delinquent, okay? And uh, I did two and a half years between the ages of 15 and 18 for Judge Bergen in the Hennepin County Jail. Now, I had an addiction you don't want, I had an addiction that will kill you. I mean, it will throw your life away. And I'm going to tell you what it is. You're going to. You're, I did drugs, drank a lot, a lot of stupid stuff. You know what my addiction was? By the time I'm 18, guess what? I'm institutionalized. I was. Jail was my home. And I'd punch the cops, kick on them, spit on them, try to shoot a police officer one night. Uh, they tried to kill me that night. It was a never-ending thing. Now, let me ask you a question real quick, because I do this in prison. How many of you shouldn't be here tonight? You should be dead. Yeah, when I do that in prison, every hand goes up. But see, God sees the end result. See, God sees way beyond what we can see. And he knew that one day, Richard David Coss would be in the kingdom serving him. Wow. Should have been dead multiple times. You know, it was a, a never-ending thing for me. All right? But 18, three hots in a cot. I'm institutionalized. I never looked beyond the concrete walls. I never looked beyond the bars. I never looked beyond the razor wire, the snitch wire for another life. Got a fifth-grade education, 25-year-old prison GED, Okay? But I've shook the hands of two presidents of the United States of America, all right? That's pretty cool. One of them gave me a presidential pardon, Gerald Ford. Uh, But I got a better pardon. I got one from the king. Amen. Jim, I got one from the king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. But when I'm 19, I'm in a Mexican prison, Chihuahua, Mexico. I'm in the stolen car business, the chop shop business. I'd met a Mexican national and... uh, uh, Ended up taking stolen cars, uh, uh, stealing them in, in New Mexico and Texas across the border into Juarez and got popped by the, by the Servicitos Secreta de Mexico. And learned to, I learned to really like frijoles, <laughs> beans, and atoli uh, for about four months. The FBI came after my partner and I. And right on the old bridge, not the new one they've got, but the old wooden bridge, there's a red stripe right in the middle of the Rio Grande River. Traded my Mexican handcuffs for FBI handcuffs and ended up in prison. My, my buddy didn't have a rap sheet. I had a long rap sheet, okay. And uh, he got probation. I got four years federal time. Ended up in El Reno, Oklahoma, where I got, I got some friends here tonight from El Reno. And I uh, uh, got a brand new name, 33476-115. Uh, but when I got to federal prison, there was Larry. And Roger was there, hey, man, guys from Minneapolis, old heroin traffickers, old buddies, hey, man, what's up? You know, I'm home. But I say, I'm home. I'm home. Jail's my home. Prison's my home. That's where I live. Never thought about a better life. Never thought about an education. Never thought about some kind of, you know, job. Uh, you know, I'm a convict. I'm a street guy. And just, just really, really messed up, okay? I, uh, I thought about doing a bumper sticker someday. You can, go to, you can go to the university and get you some knowledge, but only Jesus can fix stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I was stupid. But uh, did my time, bailed out, guess what? Picked up a 10-year sentence, went back. So what? I'm going home. Three hots and a cot. I was sitting next to a lady <laughs> earlier. She's eating mac and cheese. I said, what's the matter with you? Huh? Right there, chaplain. She said, why? I said, jail food. <laughs> I don't eat mac and cheese. I don't eat just bean beans. I like I like baked beans, but I don't eat bean beans, okay? White bread, I don't eat white bread. I don't eat jello unless it's got fruit in it, uh, and everything else is jail food, but you know, I'm home, all right? Here's where the story changes. One person, one man, one man, we got a new warden in our penitentiary, and he knew there was no rehabilitation without redemption, no reform without rebirth, and he made sure 1,200 federal inmates heard about Jesus every week, and he and the chaplains who went out and got churches to come in, I mean, every denomination, but they had to be evangelistic people with an evangelistic message. And we had church every night of the week, multiple times, on weekends, okay? And uh, I remember meeting the warden on the yard. His name was Noah Aldridge, and he, he passed away uh, some time ago. He retired down on the lake at Branson. And he said, young man, uh, I'm your new warden. I said, yes, sir. I know who you are. We'd already nicknamed him. We called him the Righteous Warden. There goes the Righteous Warden, okay? And he said, where are you from? I said, well, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Do you have a family? Just my mom and dad, everybody else is dead. uh, Do you write to your mom and dad? I said, my mom and I, we're not close. I hadn't heard from my mom in years, but my grandma, I write to my grandma every week. And he said, well, you need to Try and reestablish a relationship with your mom. I said, yeah, whatever. And he said, listen, man, I love you. Now, this is a warden talking to an inmate. I love you. How many wardens do that? Now, I go to two prisons in Louisiana uh, all the time. They let us ride our motorcycles right into the joint, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, they're wardens that love Jesus. And they know what it takes to see someone's life changed, all right? And uh, so did this warden. And... Uh, he said, Richard, I love you, and I care about you, and I've got a God who loves you, and his name is Jesus. Well, yeah, whatever. I had no idea who Jesus was because I'd never been to church in my life. Okay? Now listen to this. You say, man, 32 arrests altogether, uh, violence towards police officer. At one point, the FBI said I was dangerous, okay? And then along came Jesus. <laughs> Changes everything. But here's where you come in. You say, Richard, that's a sad story. You want to hear one that's sadder, if that's a word? huh? Nobody ever told me about Jesus. I had no idea who he was. Christmas was Santa Claus, and Easter was a bunny rabbit that laid eggs. Took me a while to figure that one out, okay? Why did I have to, in America, go to prison to get saved? There's something wrong with that picture. We need revival in the body of Christ, okay? We need revival in the body of Christ. March 16th, 1969, I'm 24, going on 25. I went to church because some volunteers that came in said, man, we love you guys. We care about you. We got a God who loves you. Same message as the warden. and. Jesus didn't get to me. I mean, it, it wasn't the name of Jesus that bothered me or, or uh, the Holy Spirit used to draw me right then, uh, but that word love got to me. Everybody i met, the, the outside people, the Christian businessmen that came in, the people who sang, the people who testified, and the, the people who did Bible studies, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. Man, you know what? I love my grandma. I don't love anybody else. I don't love myself. I'm a broken guy. I look on my stainless steel mirror in cell block six, and, and, you know, nobody can fix me. I'm a loser, man. But that word love got to me, and I thought, you know what? They've got something I don't have. I, man, i got a lot of hatred in my life. And I went to church for the first time in my I'd been baptized as a baby the day I was born, okay? Um, and I, I don't remember that, but I remember the day I was born again. Okay? I was born July 19th, 1944. I was a war baby. My mother really was a Rosie the Riveter, if you know anything about that, and a pretty redheaded lady. And uh, But I like my spiritual birthday, March 16th, 1969. Now I'm just 50. I just turned 50, man. I, I don't look like it, do I? Nah. Uh-uh. But you know, God is so good, but. Here's the turnaround. Are you ready for this? I mean, I took off for Jesus 100 miles an hour when I got saved that day. A man opened his Bible, took me down, John 3, 16, and, and uh, for God so loved Richard. He took the word world, you know, out. You know, for God so loved the world. But, he uh, man, that, you know what that told me? I knew there was a God out there somewhere in the universe, but he's mad at me because he loves good people. He doesn't love bad people, and I'm bad people, so I'm out of the loop. That was my concept of God. I knew there was a God that did all this, okay? Well, for God so loved Richard. That told me God wasn't bad at me, God loves me. John three sixteen. for God so loved Richard that he gave his only begotten son. That if Richard would believe him, Richard would not perish, but Richard would have everlasting life. Then they took me down that Roman road. And listen, folks, I'd been down a lot of roads, but I had never been down the Roman road. And the Roman road never needs repair. There's no potholes. Come to Oklahoma. we got potholes that will tear the front end out of your car. All right? Always in need of repair. Okay? All right, and coming out to my house, you got to dodge a lot of stuff, okay? And uh, but the Roman road is the best road in the world. They took me down that Roman road. Romans three twenty three, Romans five eight, Romans six twenty three, Romans 10, 9 through thirteen. I start crying, and I got alligator tears because it was God was taking the guilt and the shame and the garbage and the junk out of my life, and and. Richard, what would you like to do? And I said, man, I'm not sure about this. I don't know anything about this, but I guess I need to be saved. I I don't want to go to hell. I've I've lived in hell all my life. Man, I I guess I want to go to heaven. And they laid hands on me. And I remember one of them's prayers said, God, this is our new friend, Richard. And God, uh, he's going to become your new friend as he prays and trusts Jesus as his Savior. And they asked me if I needed any help. And I, I said, no, I think I can do this. Now, I'd heard enough that day in the Bible studies and the testimonies and the singing, and I, I said, God, man, I'm a broken guy. I, nobody can fix me. They didn't fix me in the mental institution. They didn't fix me in reform school. They didn't fix me in the Mexican prison. They didn't fix me in, in, in federal prison last time I was here. And God, I can't fix myself. God, but I understand that you fix broken people. You came to live in broken people's life and, 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 and broken by sin and fix them. And I said, Jesus, if you can fix me, man, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Well, that was 50 years ago, okay, last March. All right, praise God. Got saved that day. Took off 100 miles an hour. The chaplains, we had a born-again Methodist chaplain. chaplain yeah, Methodists can be saved. They really can. <laughs> I'll be in a Methodist church next Wednesday in Ohio. We had a Lutheran chaplain, born again. Yes, Lutherans can even be saved. Amen. There's a few Baptists, okay, can be saved. All right, and uh, they—I got my first Bible. They called. There was 41 of us gave our lives to Jesus that day, and there was 160 involved. It was a 12-hour revival meaning eight in the morning till eight at night, and I was going to stay an hour in bail because I had stuff to do. I stayed all 12 hours and came with nothing, went away with everything, okay? Now, I told you I was institutionalized, okay? Sad, sad story. But the real sad story is never heard about Jesus till I got to prison for the third time, okay? Let's go back to that word institutionalization. Some of you here today are institutionalized. You're stuck in this box. Or whatever box you go to, to worship God. I like what the old black preacher said. I'm, I'm going to Arizona one night, and you could get... Uh, You could get, what was it, 50,000 watts, Del Rio, Texas. And I'm listening to the radio, and about 2 in the morning, heading out uh, to be with Paul and Jan Crouch uh, out on TBN, and uh, a black preacher was on there. Now, the kooks come on after midnight on those radio. The kooks come on. They really do. And I'd listen to them, just, it was hilarious, okay? And they were doing, in the name of God, you know, of course. And, uh, but this black preacher, man, he was shucking the corn. He said, Christians are like a bunch of skunks, always sitting in the pew. And he said, that starts to stinking in God's nostrils after a while. woo the same black, and see, I never forgot that. That was embedded, man, in my, my mind, and my heart. And then before he finished up, he said, I'm living with my feet untangled. My bags are packed, and I'm ready to go. I said, wow. Man, I love that old preacher. Never heard him since, okay, just that one time. But those things stuck in my mind. Stuck in my mind. Are you institutionalized? Hmm? Huh? I hope not. Huh? There's a job to do. I got out of prison. I led my grandma to, to the Lord right away. She got, listen to this, she was 80 years old. All right? She was baptized, uh, confirmed, a, a German Lutheran. All right? Took grandma uh, to church with me. I was preaching in a little Baptist church in Wisconsin. On the way back, I'm, a, I'm an old car nut. I've owned probably old oh, 15, 16 hot rods and classic cars. And I've got my 55 Buick. Four door hardtop, mag wheels, dual pipes, pretty loud. Uh, worked on the engine a little bit, and grandma's traveling with me. And I said, Grandma, are you a real Christian? Here's what she said, because this is probably some of your testimony. She used to call me, always call me son, because when I was beaten and getting hurt, cussed out as a little boy, I lived in a pretty violent home. Grandma would rescue me. I love grandmas. Grandma would come get me, and I was safe at grandma's house. You didn't jack with my grandma. I had a kitchen grandma. You know a kitchen grandma, she's about this tall, about this wide. I didn't even know she worked out with weights. Her triceps were down to here. Yeah. Her chest muscles were down to here. Evidently, she went to the gym a lot and worked out, man. Pump that iron. But you didn't jack with grandma, okay? And my 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 dad boy she'd put her finger my dad and you don't you hurt that little boy and tell my mom don't you hurt that little boy anymore you quit cussing that little boy man I love my grandma I said grandma are you a Christian are you ready for this I don't think you are she, she said no son I've just been a baptized church member for 69 years whoa stuck in a box huh Wow, I've just been a baptized church member for 69 years. Grandma, would you like to know Jesus as your Savior? She's crying, I'm crying. I pull my, I, I pull my Buick off the side of the road and Grandma got saved in my Buick Ford Hardtop, man. Woo! Now, she was in the Lutheran nursing home uh, and she had a little uh, apartment. They, they did her laundry, but she did her own cooking. It was kind of a little self-sufficiency thing. And she called me, and she, she always called me, son. She said, son, they got chapel here on Sundays, but I've never read the Bible in my life. I've never opened the book. And she said, I want to know more. I called a preacher friend of mine. I said, go see my grandma. They started a Monday morning Bible study. Grandma started reading the Word. Yes, my grandma, I preached her funeral a long time ago. She's gone. And, uh, but the Bible study on Monday is still going on. And my grandma, for five more years till God took her home, was like a kid with a new toy. I mean, she was excited about Jesus. She said, "She said, son, when you go to the bookstore, would you get me a bumper sticker?" I said, "Grandma, you don't have a car." <laughs> she said, "I'm gonna put it on the refrigerator," and she did. Bumper stickers. I always bring her a bumper sticker. She put it on her refrigerator. My mom was a Vatican one. Catholic alcoholic for 40 years. Now her priest couldn't help her a whole lot because he was also an alcoholic. Now, you're going to think I'm lying, but if I'm lying, I'm dying, okay? His name, (laughs) I'd have gotten a name change. His name was Father Sin with two N's, S-I-N-N. That wouldn't work for this evangelist. Wow. I met a guy one time and He said, well, where do you go to church? I said, well, I'm a Southern Baptist evangelist. Oh, you're one of those guys that got a license to sin. I said, I didn't know we needed a license. We do pretty good without a license, my friend, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I thought about getting a name change. I really did. Go to the courthouse. Do it legal and right. And I like the first name Lee and the last name Love. Lee Love. And you could just call me Brother Lee Love. That'd work my (laughs) hand I prayed for my mom for 14 years, and I get a hold of this, okay? That's seven years. I'm going to the altar crying. This is my mom. And she fell down, broke her hip, fell off a bar stool, broke her hip, uh, fell down on a curb, broke her elbow, falling down drunk. And I'm crying. Come on, God. My mom would cuss me out all the time. Don't, you get to heaven your Baptist way. I'll get to heaven my Catholic way. I said, Mom, there's not a Baptist way. There's not a Catholic way. we got to come by the book, Mom. we got to come by the, by the Bible she said well well how do you know you're saved i said mom i was there when it happened (laughs) amen people cannot argue with that you cannot argue with that i'm at the altar seven years pretty much in a row and god heard my first prayer okay but i I have reputation a little bit i'm concerned god i want my mom in heaven and i'm her only child And and God saved my mom. And I'm at the altar one day. And he said, "I I heard your first prayer seven years ago, son. Yeah. I want your mother in heaven more than you do. I died for her. You didn't. That was that still small voice. Okay. Wow. I love her more than you do. Now start praising me for your mother. Start thanking me for your mother. Well, I know the scriptures. I've been reading it for a long time. Thank you, Lord. I go see my mom get cussed out, but I say thank you, Lord. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Okay, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence evidence of things not yet seen. So seven more years. Why? Why it was seven years and seven years? It's a pretty good number. Okay, and uh, Holy Spirit told me to go to the Catholic bookstore in Oklahoma City. Big, huge. And that was during the Catholic Revival time, uh, the the charismatic Catholic Revival. And a lot of priests were getting saved and nuns and Catholic laity. And, man, they're writing books. And I've preached revivals in Catholic churches over the years for saved priests and nuns. And uh, so I go to the Catholic bookstore and I say, "Where's where's your section on evangelism? It's way back in the corner. And I'm the kind of guy that wants to say, I'm pretty ornery, Man, it ought to be right here by the front door. Yes. But I went way back in the corner, and there are tracks, gospel tracks and books about being born again. Not about Mary. I know all the Mary prayers. My mother taught me, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now in the hour of our death. Holy Mary, Mother of God, blessed art thou among women. Blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And I knew some, uh, the, my mom taught me some of the rosary, and uh, but nobody told me about Jesus, okay? until i was 24 almost 25 in federal prison okay but i started sending catholic gospel tracts the same kind i'm sending, but it said from your catholic friends whoa books written by priests that got saved nuns that got saved and i went to my mama's house she had a, a log cabin and an outdoor toilet all right and uh one knocked on the door she said oh son what are you doing I said well I'm up here I got a prison up here in Wisconsin I come by to see you mom she said oh good she said "Um, uh, have you had any um, converts lately I said mom that's a new word in your vocabulary my mom taught me how to cuss she was vulgar vulgar woman and converts she said well has anybody trusted jesus i said what happened to you mom she said all that catholic material you've been sending me i gave my life to jesus (laughs) wow i got a i was doing a drug and alcohol education class for about 80 people at a youth camp and somebody put a a, a, came up put a number on the pulpit and it was the nursing facility my my grandma went home from and and I knew, I knew, and I called it. I started crying right away, and she passed in the night. And But I got a letter to be opened upon my death. And guess what? It was instructions for her memorial. Guess what the scriptures were? Huh? It said, Son, upon my departure, preach the blood of Jesus that yeah. cleanses us from every sin. Wow. Wow. My mom began to witness to her Catholic community. See, they, they didn't get stuck in a box. My grandma didn't. She didn't get institutionalized. My mom didn't. She didn't get institutionalized. Man, uh, they took what they had and ran with it, okay? Man, there's something for all of us to do. Every single one of us, there's a, there's a ministry out there. I went to see my grandma one time. She said, I, I got a letter from Oral. She said, "Looks, dear Helen." She thought she was the only one that got a letter from Oral Roberts. I said, "Are, are you sending Oral?" She. Said, I send him five dollars a month. Another time I went, she. Said, oh, I got a letter from Billy. I said, "Billy, yeah, Billy Graham." Dear Helen, right there. She got a letter from Billy. Five dollars a month, out of her income. Well. Has everything for me been rosy and all that? And I'll close with this, okay? 24 years ago, I'd not had too many problems in my life. And uh, my daughter, 23-year-old young mother and two little precious boys, two and three years old. She was a government worker and took her little babies every day to the uh, Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City. America's Kids Daycare Center. The two black ladies ran that, and the kids learned scriptures, and they learned Jesus songs, and and these two black ladies defied the federal government pretty much, okay? Those little kids in there, you know, they heard about Jesus all the time. But on April 19th, 1995, uh, a truck bomb exploded. 168 people died like that, snap of a finger. 19 of them were innocent little children. Now, believe it or not, there were three children that lived I was there shortly after. My son was a police officer. He was a rescue worker. And he found one of his nephews. He said, Daddy, uh, you can talk to me about Desert Storm and Afghanistan. He did two tours in Afghanistan. He said, I'll answer any question you want about the Marine Corps and Afghanistan, but don't ever ask me about what I saw in the rubble. We had a policeman commit suicide. Uh, a fireman committed suicide. Uh, we had we had counselors everywhere during that time. Worst day of my family's life. Worst day of my life. And I remember getting the bomb site a couple hours later. My wife was on a plane from Pensacola, Florida, coming in, and I'm crying. I'm I, I never used to cry, but now I'm, ever since I've been saved, I'm a crier, and uh, I'm crying. I, I said, Edie. I'm so sorry. And she said, Daddy, why are you crying? I said, What do you mean? Why I'm crying? She said, this, this let me know I raised my daughter right, okay? She said, Daddy, it's not over. Chase and Colton are dancing before the Lord. She said, It's not over. It's just beginning. We get to see our boys again, Daddy. We see, we see Chase and Colton again, Daddy. Wow. Wow. She said, Daddy, you've got to do the memorial. And I I knelt at my daughter's bedside and I'm crying. I said, God, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't do this, God. Then that Holy Spirit comes and when you're weak, He is strong. You honor your daughter's request. I'll see you through. I wept during the, 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 the song service. It was all about children's songs. They found out my two little grandsons love Barney. Remember that stupid purple dinosaur? Man, Barney loved Barney. When the Barney Corporation found that out, guess what? Who came to the funeral? With all the paraphernalia. I lost it in the song service, and God dried my eyes for about 25 minutes for the memorial service. Thirteen people gave their lives to Jesus that day. Everybody was going to everybody's funeral back then. There were over 5,000 people at our boys' funeral uh, in Dell City, Oklahoma. There was only one church that could handle that many. And uh, had to get back on the road, and minister to the family. And uh, I'm in Moline, Illinois, watching TV, and Timothy McVeigh's going to court. <laughs> and he was laughing. I said, you sorry dog, man, I'm going to kill you. See what happened, the old, see, vengeance is mine, thus saith Richard. Don't go there, it doesn't work. No. <laughs> doesn't work when you take vengeance away from God. And see, I got a presidential pardon, so all my rights have been restored that I lost through criminal activity. I own uh, guns, and, and uh, I knew I'd get a cop uniform, and, and I had long ponytail back then. I'm getting me a cop haircut like I got now, okay? And I'll just have a badge of my 45, and I'll, when they're taking them from the courthouse down uh, to the uh, jail or vice versa, I'll just be there. When I get a chance, boom, blow you away, sucker. Yeah. Vengeance is mine. God put migraine headaches. I'd never had a migraine in my life. I got migraines. I'm vomiting. I'm losing weight. I had to stay in a dark bedroom. My wife took care of me. For eight long, miserable months, I could not leave the house. God lets us have our little pity party sometime. And after eight months, he said, you sick and tired of being sick and tired? <laughs> Son. Whew, yep, I think I've had enough. He said, I'll take care of business for you. You repent. Wow. See, if somebody's ever hurt you, molested you, ripped you off, no matter what, and, and you got that bitterness and that hatred and that unforgiveness, let it go. Because, see, if they don't get under the blood, they've got to stand before God. And God says, Vengeance is mine. Thus saith the Lord, I will recompense. God takes care of business for us. That frees you and I up to pray for them and love them. Okay? You don't have to carry that. Two weeks after I'm back on the road, God said, Now I want you to forgive Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. I said, God, you're taking this thing a little too far, man. But I did, because I know what the Scriptures say. And didn't come overnight, but it came, okay? Isn't that neat? Wow. Now, I remember one day Gerald Ford said, Richard David Coss, it is my privilege as President of the United States of America to grant to you an unconditional presidential pardon, but it had my name on it. It had the President's name, even had a Jew's signature on it Attorney General Levi. But it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine yet. Jim, it wasn't mine. A transaction has to be made. There it was, signed, sealed, and being delivered. It's an it's a awesome piece of paper. It's hanging on my office wall today. And I, it wasn't mine until I reached out and took it, okay? A transaction from his hand to my hand. Ah, we got a pardon that's 2,000 years old. From the King of kings to the Lord of lords. We know all about it, but a transaction has to be made. Uh-huh. From God's heart to our heart, Jesus. Jesus. Now, I remember screaming at God one time, how he's going to work all this out for good. Was it? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, brand new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new if you've never had a change, if you've never been changed, you've never been saved. Otherwise, God's a liar. Because He changes our thinking, the what we see, the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we do everything. It's a complete change. a It's a person who has never, ever, ever been created before. That's how personal it is between you and God. Wow. Are you sure of your salvation? Huh? Are you sure? Do you know that you know that you know because the Bible tells you so and your life backs it up? You've had a change. Or God's a liar. Okay? God's a liar. Uh, Quick invitation tonight. Maybe you need to talk to Brother Gary and myself, one of the chaplains here. Uh, If you're unsure about your salvation, get it settled, okay? (laughs) Okay? Get it settled before you leave this place this weekend. All right. Wow. I reached out and grabbed that pardon that was two thousand years old, March 16 sixty nine, and it radically changed my life. I like the word radical. R A D I C A L. Redeemed and delivered in Christ' awesome love. Isn't that good? Amen. Wow.
1: Richard Cost is an amazing guy, and, and he has such a powerful uh,
3: story to tell about his life. That's right. It's just another example of, you know, you can't be too bad to be saved. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is exactly Satan will tell you that though. That's eh? right. He yeah. will.
1: Yeah, he will. You know, Dennis, there's probably some drivers listening to this right now. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh man, I've been there. I understand completely. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives if we will surrender to him. And it's as simple as what? Hey,
3: it's as simple as pouring that cup of coffee out of that thermos into this lid right here. Mm -hmm. But you got to do it. Yeah. It's not going to pour itself. That's right. That's pretty plain.
1: And all you got to do is open your heart and cry out to God and ask him to come into your life and take over your life, and save you. And if you'll do that, you'll know exactly what we're talking about, and he will open your life up to new things. When I heard Richard say, The Great Fixer Upper, it made me think of this song by Mike Manuel. And man, what an awesome songwriter, singer he is. Uh, Check him out, Uh, mikemanuel.com. You'll be blessed, I guarantee it. Listen to this song right here, The Great Fixer Upper by Mike Manuel.
5: Packed in a corner, not made of walls Surrounded by failure that taught him to fall Oh, he's got more trouble than life should ever allow. wife just left him, and the bills are stacked high, and this pain in his heart, it don't stop when he cries, but he knows. sky who never asks questions he don't need to know why and he specializes in those hearts at the end And he'll be just fine. Now there's two sides to a story, so he lives on his, but on the other side, he's got. Up there on his wall As tears dim his vision Don't they care at all But he knows a great things forever Up in the sky Who never he don't need to know why, and he specializes in those hearts that
0: says that God is no respecter of person. He can do the same thing for you, the exact same thing as he did for Gary or Dennis, myself or Richard Koss.
3: That's right.
0: He loves us all and he wants us to be his children.
3: That's right. And you know, the great thing, man, don't worry about what you can't do if you accept Christ. Think about what you're going to get to do. That's right. (laughs) That's good right there because God is going to have you doing
1: things that you're not even capable of. Trust you oh all right friends god I is speaking to you right now you're not sure if you're saved well we're going to give you that chance right now i want to pray with each and every one of you right now and we're going to make sure that you are saved and on your way to heaven pray with me right now if you're not sure if you don't know jesus christ if you want to make him your Lord and Savior. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I want to be a Christian. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. Father, take out my old heart. Give me a new heart. Give me a purpose and a plan for my life. I want to serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, then we want to hear from you right now. Give us a call. 618-383-2107.
0: If you said that prayer today, and you meant it with your heart, because the Bible says to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, then you need to call us.
3: Dennis McKay at 662-889-2829.
0: Or Darrell Spicer at Channel 21 Ministries, 615-663-3199. And the reason we give you these numbers is because we want to walk with you on
1: your walk. That's right. And remember this, God loves you. And we we do do too. too. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree. We'll talk at you later.
2: At the crossroads of life, lost without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name This chance, would it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling down that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go Yes, there's been a change Not the man I used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past But I called his name This chance could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery the foot of the tree. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Brokenhearted and lonesome. So long I'd been lost. I left a life time of misery at the foot of the tree
6: hello lonesome road family james payne here coming to you from the cab of my pickup truck i'm holding in my hand two seeds that will not reproduce one is this hundred dollar bill the other is this peach seed now i know what you're thinking why won't they reproduce well the main reason this seed this peach seed And this $100 seed will not reproduce is because both are in my hands. If I take this seed and I put it in the earth, it will activate the 17 nutrients of the earth and they'll be attracted to the seed and they'll create a resurrection and a multiplication. If I take this seed and I put it in the kingdom, then it'll activate the power of the kingdom And the promises of Jesus and a resurrection will take place in this seed and also a hundredfold multiplication of this seed. So you see, God has given you and I in the natural and in the spiritual the ability to sow a seed and see that seed multiplied. Just this week, I received a letter from a lady whose house was in foreclosure. She called the mortgage company numerous times, but they would not return her call because the date had been set for her foreclosure and for her eviction. She saw me on television preaching on the power of planting one seed in the right place at the right time. She got together a $1,000 seed and she sowed it a few days later the mortgage company called her and they caused they discounted her payment 569 dollars a month canceled the eviction and now she's able to keep the house that she's been paying on for 15 years but had gone through a difficult situation because of her job but now Her future in her home has been secured through a seed. I'm going to ask you today to plant a seed in Lonesome Road Ministries. Some of you could plant a $1,000 seed. Some of you could plant a $100 seed. I want to ask you to plant your best seed today. But I also want you to become a monthly partner with Chaplain Rayburn and this great ministry that's touching over $8 700,000 truckers that run up and down the highway we have the potential through this ministry to touch their lives and change them let me tell you when you sow into that type of ministry you're gonna get a quick harvest and you're gonna get a hundredfold harvest so don't delay sow your seed today
2: I've been driving all night, got 400 miles to go. Got the pedal to the middle and Vince Gill on the radio. I just went through Texarkana, heading down to San Antonio. But that's the life of a trucker, driving is lonesome road.